0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. On ABC Radio, you're with Rod Quinn and it's time for our weekly look at the world of health and fitness with Professor Gordon Lynch at the University of Melbourne. Gordon, good morning. Good morning, Rod. Now, this is an interesting thing that we have touched on a couple of times in the past, but it's never a bad thing to reinforce it, especially with new research and that is staying healthy, especially as you age, is more than just your physical activity, it's your mental activity as well.
1: As you said, we've touched on this before, but a healthy lifestyle linked to better cognitive function as we get older. And I think this is, it's good to reinforce, but the the evidence is is starting to accumulate now, Um, very strong evidence about the, the need to accumulate um, healthy lifestyle factors, because they all seem to work together. So, you know, regular exercise, eating fruits and vegetables, minimizing our alcohol consumption—all of those factors associated with better cognitive function, better brain function, be- the ability to think and re- and and reason as we get older. And you know, the the reason I wanted to talk about this study today—it's just been published uh, in the journal JAMA Neurology. That's from the stable of the. Journal of the American Medical Association, so uh, quite a reliable source of good information. The strength of this study is it was based on data from post-mortem brain pathology reports. So you can actually look at the pathology of the brain, look at the activity patterns at which those people had, uh, what lifestyle choices they had made, and and how they had reasoned and been able to think later in their lives. This was this so-called cognitive reserve where they got enough in the tank, in the brain later in life to be able to maintain uh, those those functions. So even though it was based upon associations, I think the results were extremely encouraging and it's really a strong study because it's about 600 participants, about 71% female, and they were followed between 1997 and 2022. It's from Rush University Medical Center in Chicago and this is a particular cohort study. It's called the Memory and Aging Project, and they they, they could follow the people over that time, gathering information about lifestyle factors, information about diet and alcohol, how they spent their time in gardening, walking activities, calisthenics, those sorts of things. But most importantly, they received annual cognitive tests. So they were followed, they were asked about how they played card games or checkers, whether they did, you know, activity patterns that were stimulating, like reading and going to a museum and those sorts of things. And after the participants had died, around about the age of 91, I mentioned the strength of the study. The researchers were able to assess the brains directly, so they could look for particular features of the pathology linked with, you know, diseases like Alzheimer's and so on, and then track exactly those particular people and their activity patterns and their brain pathology so a very important study and a very encouraging one i think to think about promoting a healthy lifestyle and why we should embrace that
0: and when people say well what can i do what should i do well we've got a list of things that people should do and let's start in no particular order though with nutrition and that is eat healthy foods
1: yeah, and and I know we talk about this a lot. In this particular study, the the, the participants and and the results from the study emphasise this this idea of a mind diet, and that's the mind diet is actually combining foods from the Mediterranean diet, which is largely focused on preventing cardiovascular disease and cancer and so on with the DASH diet, and the DASH diet is focused on stopping hypertension or high blood pressure. So they looked at selection of foods and so on that would really be promoting brain health. So eating dark leafy greens like spinach, kale, broccoli, they're especially recommended. Reducing our salt intake and avoid eating a lot of saturated fat. So some simple guidelines combining the elements of those different diets, but regular intake and they're talking about you know aiming for six or more servings a week of these green leafy vegetables, that's one, one of the ingredients towards these you know, these healthy lifestyle.
0: Okay. You've got to keep physically active. Now we mentioned that, you know, physical health is linked to mental health and here is the direct link, isn't it? That sitting around maybe in retirement and doing nothing is not going to help you.
1: No. So the participants in this study, in terms of how they scored, um, if they scored well in in terms of exercising moderately or vigorously for 150 minutes per week, so that's about 20-odd minutes a day if you think about exercising on most days of the week. And keeping physically active, Rod, also means just avoiding sitting for extended periods. So we're hearing a lot over the last decade or so about how we need to have regular breaks throughout the day to avoid blood pooling in in our lower extremities and the metabolic risk associated with that. So the emphasis can also be on movement. So that could be just chores around the house. It could be just walking around, keeping active. But if we can do a bit of structured exercise and get to that point about walking, endurance activities like jogging or walking, cycling, rowing, swimming, we, we mention these a lot but trying to do those on most days of the week. It doesn't have to be for an extended period, but getting to that period over the course of the week, where we're you know, getting to 150 minutes, that's pretty good. But resistance training is also good, and we, we promote this on this show a lot as well. And it can be mean lifting weights, but it can mean also resistance bands, those, those um, elastic bands you can work against, or even using your body weight as resistance. That's going to be important. So if you can't manage 30 minutes, a 30-minute session of exercise a day, and many people can't, the benefits of exercise accumulate over the course of the day. So if you can do 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, and and so on, over the course of the day, you can reach that particular target. So I think that's just some sensible advice about how we can do this without really thinking we have to be athletes. We just have to be more active in the course of our daily activities.
0: Now, another great suggestion is to keep your brain active by engaging in social activities. Now, that's more, I suppose, than just having friends around or going to visit them, although that certainly helps. But actually get out and do something. You could play sport. You could go and play cards, join a book group. What other things have you got in mind?
1: Yeah, you know, I think you're, you're, you're exactly right. And that's face-to-face engagement. So those you know, the studies have really shown us that, People that have a large network of friends and confidants, they usually live longer than those that don't. Um, and I mentioned about the face-to-face, that will be ideal. But there are various ways through technology now where we can remain connected with others and form new connections with others. So we've got various platforms that most of our, our phones have, have access to and we can keep in touch with others Face to face, we can see them, we can talk with them, and and that's one way I think you know, this engaging in social activities has, is a sort of a bit of a broader brush than we might have thought previously.
0: Okay, Gordon Lynch is our guest as we look at how you can maintain a healthy lifestyle, and that improves brain function, especially as you get older. And, of course, we get down to, well, one of the most important things, and that is maintaining a healthy body weight. So the question, though, is, Gordon, what is a healthy body weight? Some people could be, you know, overweight, as most of us are, and still consider that to be healthy because they can get out and be active and do things but is that the case? I mean, do we have to fall within uh, certain parameters about what people say is a healthy body weight?
1: Yeah, and, and there's is, the debate continues about this. But I think most evidence shows us quite clearly that being overweight or obese, you know, and in the, the population in this country and many other developed nations were above 50%. We're almost two-thirds of people being over a over weight which is been dictated in the past as being considered healthy. Now that that there's a bit sort of a little bit rubbery there but we know that being overweight and obese increases the risk for metabolic diseases, cardiovascular conditions, so diabetes, stroke, heart disease and so on. So if we can lose weight and if we can keep and think about lean tissue, so promoting muscle and losing fat, that from a metabolic perspective is going to work for many of those conditions but also in terms of um, you know, not loading joints and, and other conditions so musculoskeletal conditions. Um, overweight puts us in this category where obesity and other factors will lead to a higher incidence of cancers and other things. So it just it's in our best interest to see if we can if we can lose a few kilos and, and sustain that over a period. So um, we we have you know. Waist to hip ratios, which are generally favoured these days over body mass index, but you know, if you if you if you if your waistline and men tend to accumulate especially around the belly, um, you just have to look in the mirror and think, okay, there's something I need to do about that. And it starts with getting more active, but it's also the foods we eat as well. It's a combination of those factors, and and that is about the pattern of sustaining that over time, and hopefully getting to that. Healthier body weight.
0: And you've got to look after your heart because that's, you know, probably the most important organ in your body. You need to know what your numbers are, and those numbers are your blood pressure, maybe your blood glucose level, your cholesterol level. Now, some of those things you can do at home. You can get a blood pressure test kit just at the chemist these days. They are expensive, but it pays off in the long run. With the other numbers, I suppose, go to see a doctor at least. You know, once every six months just for a, a checkup, just to check on what your numbers are. Get a blood test done quite often at the surgery, come back in a week or so, and you'll get the numbers.
1: Exactly. So I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head by visiting your GP. So you're doing that blood test every so often, and it's about tracking various markers in the body and, and detecting problems early. So if you can identify those problems, you can treat them and, and keep in, in the right area in terms of health. But when I mentioned about the heart, you know, and you said the heart's most important organ, uh, yes, it keeps us alive, but most experts believe that if you're looking after the heart, then you're also looking after your brain as well because, of course, the brain is one of the most perfused organs. Our blood flow to the brain is critical for, for, for life. So if we think about blood pressure, and you mentioned about kits at home, you can do that, blood glucose levels, cholesterol levels. If we can monitor those, and that's usually about the heart, it's also looking after brain health as well. So regular testing, keeping on top of these things earlier, and if we're t- taking responsibility for our health, as you say, there are, uh, there are things we can invest in which we can track over time. Blood pressure monitors are one of those things. So you can go to your, your GP if, if you're detecting that early um, and it's higher, you can get treatment and there are very effective treatments even beyond healthy lifestyle factors very powerful medications that can help keep us in the healthy zone
0: what we've done so far is talk about things that you should do what about this something that you shouldn't do and again it comes up every single time and that is don't smoke we did a whole hour about giving up smoking uh, on nightlife recently and giving up smoking is very difficult I'm lucky I never smoked in the first place, so I don't know how difficult it is to give up, but everyone I've spoken to tells you it is. There are many different methods to try and give it up. Just stopping is one. Maybe hypnotism. Maybe that's something. Uh, People swear by that. Others say, no, it's, it's all in your mind, quite literally. If you want to give up, you can do it. I don't know. But it's doing terrible damage to your health.
1: Yeah, and and it's it's easy for people that haven't smoked, and I'm I'm in that category too. But I, I lived with smokers. My both my parents, well, my father especially, was a smoker, and watching him try to give up smoking was, was it, it sort of reinforced what how difficult it is. And I think the message there is, if you fail the first time, just keep trying because what he realized when he stopped smoking was the appreciation even for for tastes of foods and smelling mm. foods and and just that those other things but the, from the healthy perspective it's about how we can reduce uh, the hardening and the thickening of arteries so allowing blood flow through the body if we're, if we're smoking it can constrict vessels and that make and leave this you know a higher susceptibility for for cardiovascular conditions like stroke and and heart attack and so on so the health, the health implications are there. It's, it's it's pretty clear. The message is also, well, how do we do this? And and it's not it's not easy. But I think if we can persist with it, your body will thank you. And in this case, so will your brain health.
0: And finally, you need to stimulate your brain, and that's a simple thing you can do every day, or you can do it more elaborately as well. You can do wordle. You can do uh, crosswords. You can do that sort of thing. Keep reading books or keep reading the newspaper every day, and I don't mean just online. What else uh, do you want to suggest, Gordon?
1: Well, I think you've put this in my mind a couple of times over the years, thinking about learning a new language or taking up to playing a musical instrument. They're ways to stimulate the brain through new thinking, new approaches. I can't play a musical instrument and I don't speak another language. So there are challenges ahead for me if I want to do that. And I'd like to think that I could try and I'll, I'll, I might give it a, give it a go when it, <laughs> when it comes to it. But in the meantime, performing those brain stimulating activities, reading, writing, doing those memory exercises, like I said, crosswords and number puzzles, brain teasers, and I, you know, I usually do the Wordle, um, connections, that's uh, another one I do, yes. and, and the spelling bee. All of those are terrific. Uh, for, for just. I actually start the day off with that way. So performing those activities and just keeping active. You now, when it comes to sort of maintaining cognitive function, I think that that adage of use it or lose it, I think it certainly rings true in this case. So Um, Some various ways. So if you think about all the things we've mentioned, they were the factors that for these people in this particular study, every one point of a healthy lifestyle score, there were fewer units of the pathology in the brain. So the more of these activities these people had, the fewer markers of pathology in the brain. So there's this this link, direct association between lifestyle and brain health and and brain pathology. Um, It's a pretty powerful message and There's no reason for us not to get started on this, even though it might be challenging. The
0: rewards are there. Gordon Lynch, Health and Fitness, thanks very much. Thanks a lot, Rod. ABC
1: Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music and more.